from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Welcome to the Coach's Edge Podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. It is October the unofficial start to basketball season, at least in my opinion. Weather changes a little bit. I know even from traveling and running my clinics, once we get into October, it seems like the interest is up compared to some of the clinics that we run. The month of September, the frame of mind shifts into a little more of a basketball mode for players and coaches alike. So before we get into our 10 tips for evaluating players during tryouts, couple big things that I want you to know for the month of October. October is a big month. As I said, it's the unofficial starts of basketball season. Two, my birthday is in the month of October, so you can wish me a happy birthday. Three, this is our also quote-unquote launch month to coachesedge.coach, meaning we try to give a big push for those interested in joining the Coach's Edge, our membership site, the resources, that we have. In fact, we're featuring a bunch of our Coach's Edge members and speakers on the podcast. I think we have uh, Frankenmuth, boys basketball coach, this coming Friday, talking about simplifying the game. Next week, we have DJ Fiella from Bakersfield, California, <clears throat> one of our members, excuse me, who's speaking about transition defense. We'll be having many Zoom calls that are open Zoom calls, meaning you don't have to be a member. If you want to join some of our Coach's Edge meetings this month, they are free to anyone to join. You don't have to be a member of coachesedge.coach. This is a great time to join. It's a great time to learn more about the different resources and how we try to help coaches around the country as they dig into basketball season. And then one that's a little more close to home is it's Dwarfism Awareness Month. And you probably unless you know me personally, you didn't know this, but my youngest daughter has achondroplasia. She has dwarfism. And so this hits close to home. There's all different things in people's lives based on their life experiences that hit close to home for them. This is one that hits home for me. Um, Not just the fact that she's very small, tiny. She is four years old and is, you know, a little over 20 pounds. So you can imagine how, how small she is. A lot of people confuse her for being a baby, which she's not. And it's frustrating for all of us. Um, But I've learned a lot because there's a lot of things that go along with having achondroplasia that are not as simple as you're uh, smaller or or shorter, right? From um, rubbery joints, um, back pain, um, hearing issues, Um, different things regarding kind of the structure of your jaw and um, how that affects your ears and joints as in like tailbone, uh, brain of the skull, spine, different things like that. Um, And so, you know, what's the reason I'm sharing it? Well, it's, it's my podcast. and And so I want you to know me a little bit if you're somebody who plans on listening for a while, right? I think that's important that you actually know the host and Secondly, it's just a good reminder that anytime that we're out and we see people that may be different from us, from the outside, listen, we're all 
we're all people. We're all going through different things. We all um, are very imperfect in many different ways. And uh, it's important for us to be understanding. It's important for us to be loving and caring. And, um, you know, when I say imperfect, I mean, like, uh, it's easy for us to be very judgmental of other people. And I think we just need to get away from that. And for the most part, I just hope that people give others the benefit of the doubt as far as um, their motives and what they're all about um, as far as trying to help serve other people and, and just to make life better for others, to serve other people, to make the world a better place. I think if, when it's all said and done, if, if we're doing those things, we can feel pretty proud of ourselves. So um, with all that said, back to the podcast, 10 tips for evaluating players during tryouts. This can be difficult, especially bigger schools, right? I know there's some coaches edge listeners that we have and they're like, Steve, I don't have to cut. We're a small school. I'm just hoping to get enough kids out for the team so that we have a decent roster. Listen, I get it. Um, but there are a, a lot of schools that have thousands of players or player students within the high school and they need to be able to know um, kind of a guideline that can help. And I think this one can help. So I'm going to run through this list. Neither one is more important than the other. I think they're all very vital. One. Hey coaches, let me take a quick break to thank you for listening to the Coaches Edge podcast. Our listenership continues to grow. And a big reason for that is the positive ratings and review. So if you haven't already, if you could take less than a minute of your time, leave a positive rating and review wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether that's Apple or Spotify, I would certainly greatly, hugely appreciate it. Again, the podcast is free to listen. So leaving a positive rating and review goes a really long way as far as your support. Thank you for being such a big part of the Coach's Edge, our growth. I can't thank you enough, and we couldn't do it without you. Let's get back to the show. We over me. Are they a we over me type player? How do they value themselves compared to others on the court? Right. So that is a, a big number two, toughness. I'm speaking of both physical and mental toughness, physical being taking a charge, diving for a loose ball, setting hard screens, bumping cutters from the mental side of things. Are they able to maintain their, their wherewithal regardless of the situation or do they get easily get flustered? Do, are they able to hang in there when the going gets tough? A lot of times when things get difficult, it's natural for us to isolate on ourselves. And I love seeing when the going gets tough and you got that one kid, things are really tough for everybody, but instead they look around and say, actually, this is an opportunity for me to not just concentrate on me, but to help other people. It's a great sign of mental toughness right there. Number three, do they make winning plays? Do they make winning plays? When you watch them play offensively and defensively, are they able to go through different reads? You look at their decision-making, saying, based on the situation going on in the game right now, this is the best choice. This is the easiest choice. That's what we need to do, right? And 
that's a big one as far as basketball player IQ that we want to evaluate during the tryout season is how are kids able to make winning plays. Number four, coachability. That's body language, that's eye contact, that's listening, that's be able to ability to take instruction and then try to implement it quickly into the game. Right. You get a lot of kids who may be like, okay, yep, got it. Everything seems good, but then they're never able to translate it into the game. That could be for a couple of different reasons. With some kids that are not able to uh, let themselves get out of their comfort zone enough. And that's part of the job as a coach, but that's also part of the evaluation process. You know, a lot of these things, as far as these 10 tips, these are things that we want to work on with everybody that we coach. But at the same time, these are things that we are evaluating as well. Number five, game comprehension. Do they understand the game? Are they able to see the big picture? Or are they so single-minded, single-focused on themselves and the little action that they are doing that they have trouble seeing the court. So that's a court vision piece. That's a defensively, that's the ability to understand spacing, help side, the gaps, different rotations. Do they understand time, score, situation, sets, motions, defensive alignments? This is all how we see and comprehend the game. That's huge. Number six, what's the chemistry level like? with them being on the team. This is huge. Sometimes there's players who, boy, if they're playing well or they're getting a lot of minutes, they are a great teammate. Even if you're losing, they're a great teammate because, man, they are happy that they are part of the team by getting those minutes, getting those shots. But as soon as they start to see the floor less, their chemistry, the type of teammate that they are, goes down the drain because that's the, how they are placing their value on themselves. Instead of saying, hey, what's what's the fit? How can I help the team out regardless of my own personal circumstance? And so we want to be mindful of how the team and this individual player that we are evaluating fits. Chemistry is obviously huge. Number seven, the potential factor. This comes in a lot with underclassmen the future that we're trying to project age level. I think they're going to keep growing. And I think one of the biggest things to ask from a potential standpoint is the willing factor. When you're evaluating someone's potential, you have to also evaluate, are they willing to improve? And it's easy for us to say, okay, their mom or dad or both were really tall or athletic and I think that we can, you know, keep them around because, boy, they're really going to help us there. However, are they willing to improve their game? There may be a player on that team that you're thinking about cutting, but they have so much drive, they have so much will that they are going to get better. And they may not be the most physically imposing player, but their ability to continue to learn grow and improve is so strong that you are going to be glad that you had them on the team, kept them around for that junior, especially their senior year. So think about that. There are lots of kids like that. I'm thinking of a few right now that even went on to play some college basketball that I trained and it had nothing to do with their physical characteristics. Props to them. Hmm. 
Those are some of my favorite people to work with. Number eight, tying into that potential factor is the physical characteristics and how does this translate into your style of play? So we just talked about the willingness to improve when we're gauging potential, but also here and now, what are the physical characteristics that a player has and are those fitting any of the needs that your team has, right? So you really need somebody who's who's big, but they don't have any playing experience. They're new to the game. Maybe they, you know, I don't know, they just moved in or who knows what. They're thinking about maybe I'm going to go out for the team, right? And they're trying. Well, do you see them fitting and able to contribute because of some of those physical characteristics that they have and you can work with them and develop some of their skills over time? That's a little more of a project type player. But if you're looking at filling out a roster, I think it's fantastic to have a player or two like that, assuming they're willing to put in the, the necessary characteristics to catch up and improve, have on your team. Number nine, effort, self-explanatory. Number 10, attitude, also self-explanatory. I would throw communication in with attitude because um, to me, you could have a positive attitude, but if you're not communicating at a high level, it's not as contagious, right? So I want people with a great attitude that are willing to communicate. And that's something that we can try to coach out of kids at times. I know I was a person like that who didn't communicate at a high level in a, as a high school player, especially, and I needed to continue to grow and improve upon that. And the more I continued to improve in that area, the better teammate I was. And the more I communicated, I also felt like the better attitude I had because when, as I was communicating, it helped me be mindful of the big picture. And I think that you may be working hard and you may have a fairly positive attitude, but if you're not communicating, it can be easy to isolate and think about yourself more often. Those are just random thoughts on that one that I, I feel like can help. Now, I have a couple bonus tips for you, and then we'll review these real quick. Prompt. Are they prompt? Are they early? Do they show up and they're prepared, prompt and prepared, right, for, for practice? Practice starts at 3. You don't want them showing up at 2.59. Uh, you want kids that are showing up early and they're prepared you don't want them walking in oh i forgot forgot my you know shoes or my practice jersey or whatever i prompt and prepare and then my last bonus tip is eligibility is this a player that you're going to have to keep thinking about man are they eligible this week are they eligible this week if you're splitting hairs between a couple players to make your roster and one of them has straight a's and the other one, maybe even a little bit more talented, but they're generally failing a class on and off. I mean, that, that's a pretty simple answer right there, isn't it? Right? Eligibility, citizenship, school and the community. Those are important things for us to weigh when it comes to athletes that are really on the cusp of, of making a team. Obviously, we want to have high academic standards for, for everyone. But when it comes to tryouts and evaluating who's going to make a team, <clears throat> you want to reward somebody, in my opinion, who is a really hard worker in school, who, who 
does their best. Does that mean they're a straight A student? No, but if you put in some effort, you're not going to be failing classes at the high school level. You're just not. Okay. So that tells me quite a bit about that off the court behavior habits. And if they're successful in the classroom, those are the type of kids that I would want on my basketball team. Let's run down these real quick. We over me. Toughness factor, mental and physical. Do they make winning plays and are unselfish? Number four, the coachability factor. Five, game comprehension. That's the IQ. Number six, chemistry, the fit to those around them. Seven, potential and the willingness to improve factor. Eight, their immediate physical characteristics and how that can fit a need on the team. Number nine, effort. Number 10, attitude. And then the bonus tips of prompts and prepared. And the bonus tip of the eligibility, the citizenship, the school, the community contributions can be a great way to you know, differentiate some of those players who might just really be on the cusp of making that team or not. So those are my 10 tips for evaluating players during tryouts. My hope is that you can find this beneficial. You can take some notes down of these and all of those things go into the fact that as you look at those characteristics, one thing I never said was skills, right? Shooting is a great skill, right? Finishing is a great skill. Individual defense is a great skill. I didn't say any of those characteristics on purpose, right? We have tons as we're breaking down those specific areas. But on these ones, these are more your intangibles as far as being able to evaluate a player. And my hope is that those are going to help you right now. So thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. If you have questions, check us out. Contact at KramerBasketball.com, CoachesEdge.coach. And we would love to get you uh, registered and to learn more about CoachesEdge.coach, serving coaches around the country as we head into the season. Thanks for listening. Get after it today.